This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. As fall fills up with activities and obligations, even a small time saver can feel like a big help. Grammarly is an all-in-one writing tool that makes clear, concise communication easier than ever, so you can finish your work earlier and head off to family dinners, social events, and fall weddings. Grammarly is free to download and works where you do, so every project gets finished quicker. Make sure your writing is free of mistakes with Grammarly's free, comprehensive writing suggestions and get an instant take on how your message comes across with the free tone detector. Let Grammarly Premium's Sentence Clarity Rewrites help you find the perfect words on the first try. You'll be confident writing client emails, deadline-driven reports, and presentations without staying late at the office. Get more time back in your day by writing with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcasts to sign up for a free account. Then get 20% off when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium. That's Grammarly.com slash podcasts. Do you import and export goods in and out of the UK? If so, then look no further for all your logistics and freight forwarding needs than Lila International Logistics, owned and run by West Ham fans. Lila, that's L-I-L-A, International Logistics, provides businesses with affordable import and export rates for sending and receiving products anywhere around the world, whether it be by air freight, sea freight, courier or road freight. Lila provide a bespoke service for shipments so you ain't being passed between departments and you have a direct contact at all times 24-7 for shipments. Check out their website at www.lilalogistics.co.uk for more info. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, an XWHU employee. This week we talk about heartbreaking Germany, our personal adventure in Frankfurt, a stunning win against a terrible Norwich side and a special day for a special man this coming Sunday before getting news from X and answering questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. X, it's been a busy old week. Let's talk about Frankfurt. Like me, I know you love your travel. What do you think of the city? 
Um, I wasn't overly impressed, to be honest. If you, I can usually find uh, positives in most places, but uh, str- struggling a little bit with Frankfurt. I mean, to be fair, we didn't really venture out hugely, like no City Tour. I mean, I think what we saw it put us off the City Tour, but had we yeah. done a City Tour and maybe explored a bit further, we might have found nicer parts. But, uh, um, yeah, the parts we found weren't great. Um, you know, there's quite a lot of... Uh, People that you know didn't have any prospects in life, shall we say, is probably a polite way to put it. And uh, yeah, quite a lot of a fear of crime wasn't far off, both from being assaulted by Frankfurt fans and also just generally assaulted by randoms in Frankfurt. Um, it wasn't the most uh, picturesque of places. It rained, which never helps things. I mean, we had good weather in Lyon and Seville, which always puts a bit of a slightly different spin on things. But yeah, I liked our first meal in Frankfurt. I thought that was great. But yeah, as a, yeah. <laughs> as a city, if we're going to rank Lyon, Seville and Frankfurt in order of preference, then I think that comes quite significantly last, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think you've been quite generous there, actually, because I thought it was an absolute shithole. And it was, <laughs> it was funny because my uncle... Um, was texting me saying that he uh, used to work in Frankfurt quite a lot. And then he texted me uh, to ask my thoughts on it, but I'd not been there long. So I said, actually, yeah, it's, it's, it's not too bad from what I've seen. It's okay. But then it just deteriorated the more time we spent there. I mean, from what I understand, it's the financial capital of Germany. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, a bit like, the, like I don't know, Docklands isn't a sort of capital, but yeah, like a bit like the Docklands in London and Canary Wharf and all that. Yeah, and, and that makes sense to me. I think it does draw similarities to London in the sense it has the big shiny corporate buildings, and in parts it's quite nice. But you walk around the corner and it's just depressing, and it. I mean, yeah, I'm sure people yeah. will agree that we're there. It's I've just seen... such a it's such a hostile vibe. Like yeah. everyone's just so angry all the time from like yeah. the taxi drivers to waiters to hotel staff, the general public, everyone just has the ump yeah. um, and not to mention the massive drug problem. Fucking hell. <laughs> I mean, I've got more dealers than we buy any car out there. Speaking of cars, traffic fucking everywhere. As oh, well. fucking hell. Was there? It was incredible. And I don't know if you remember, it was the first night and uh, we was in the hotel uh, drinking, actually. I think we was getting ready to watch the Man City game, weren't we? Against Madrid. Yeah. And yeah. Um, there was a fella there. He wasn't a West Ham fan, but he was English. I think he was from up north, if you remember. He was a yeah. Man United fan. Who from was Newcastle? From, from Newcastle, yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, shock. Yeah. Um, and a nice fella. And, and we got yeah. chatting to him, and he was saying that he's doing work out there. And he went, <laughs> he went to do his laundry, right, in the laundrette. And he said that two geezers, either side of the washing machine, right, were sitting on the floor. One was shooting up, and the other one was smoking a fucking crack pipe. <laughs> um, I mean, luckily at this point, he didn't realise it was us when he was telling the story. Yeah, right? exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but Frankfurt, yeah, I mean, very mm. rough, very hostile. And talking of hostility, I think it's really important that we talk about this. And I just hope the club are listening, as they often do. And that is the process of collecting tickets for a European game. Right. Yeah. It's a fucking joke, X, isn't it? And yeah. I, I do want to talk about this because I think this is a good platform to talk about this. And I think that there will be fans that experience this that would want us to talk about this. It's just a joke. I mean, West Ham hire a hotel, normally in the arse end of nowhere. Um, they stand outside like they own it, then basically start treating West Ham fans like they're animals. I mean, honestly, it was as if we were a couple of pedos handing ourselves in, wasn't it? <laughs> 
Did you feel that? Did you feel like that? Well, I've never experienced that, so I don't know if it does feel like that. So you only you can comment. But um, well, I, well, well, the bottom line is, it was never proved anyway. So that's all about. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I do, I do. So you understand what you're saying and, and agree with what you're saying. Um, I think, I think it is very, very strange. Like you, you turn up um, and then you're immediately greeted by like security at the door, whatever I say, security club officials at the door acting as if they're security. And look, I understand. I always. Trying to give a balanced view, I understand yeah. they've got to be strict on the tickets. They've got to make sure that the people that have said they've got them have got them because you know there'll be people, I guess, hooligans that are banned from attending games abroad that shouldn't be there. There's fans potentially that could ruin the club's reputation. Um, there's like um, obviously you don't want tickets to get into the hands of people that haven't got tickets, and then the whole system of points doesn't work and so on and so forth. I do understand why they've got to be like that, but when you've just genuinely got tickets as we as we both had um you know i don't know why you are treated as if you're doing something wrong you know no. you turn up you've got to show your id fair enough to get in you have to show your id about three times before you can get the ticket my id is not going to change 10 meters down the line you know like, show it three times and then when you get in there you know they look you up and down as if you're a piece of shit then they just like yeah act as if you're doing something wrong the whole time i mean like obviously with me, my process has been reasonably straightforward, but your ticket situation was slightly more challenging on, in, in Germany. And the way they treated you, as you say, was if you were about to, I don't know, commit some horrendous crime, like not just pick up tickets that you were legitimately entitled for. Do you know what, mate? It really gave me the ump, and I'm not the only one. And listen, I don't want to name names, but the boss of this process is a woman. She stands at the door with her little lackeys, almost desperate to turn people away. That's the yeah. impression you get. Yeah. Um, they come across as so power hungry, and all we want to do is collect our tickets. Now, I won't bore they refuse to help, won't they? That's the thing. They, they, oh, they yeah, refuse they, to they help. No, yeah, no, they absolutely. literally just won't listen to you or won't consider any. And no. I get, I get they've probably had people try it on. There would have been people that tried it on and, and were trying to blag it and stuff. I get that. But when you can see that someone's genuinely got like what they believe to be all that you require and and they won't listen to you and they just dismiss you it's like when you go to a nightclub isn't it and the bouncer just says no you're not coming in and he's trying to reason with them and they're like no you're not coming in mate like it was a bit like that wasn't yeah, it it was it was and listen i don't want to i don't want to bore everyone with the situation with my ticket um because it was a little bit more complicated than the, the the straightforward standard ticket let's just say but it is legitimate it's in my name and i have paid for it it's my ticket and they wouldn't let me in they wouldn't let me in and they seem to take great pleasure in not letting me in yeah. but as luck would have it and i didn't even think of this at the time you prompted me to do it i know someone very senior at the club who again i won't name i called him explained the situation and he said tell her to check her phone in 10 seconds. So I went back, right? The little baldy fella at the door says, he's back again, wants a word, right? Like I'm a fucking pain in the ass to him or something. So when I got to her, I said the name of the person um, wants you to check your phone. She got her phone out reluctantly and then just said, okay, through you go. And I thought, fucking shove that up your arse, you moody old bin, you know? Um, <laughs> and as I'm walking through, she says, yeah, sorry about that. You, you understand there's a process. And I just looked at her, didn't I? And I said, look, yeah. we can we can stand here and argue all day or we can just stop this bollocks and I can go and get my ticket that I'm entitled to get, right? Yeah. So that was that. Then 
you go through these big double doors again, having to fucking go through the whole process again. Um, and there are staff sitting behind tables waiting to check your details again and give you your tickets, right? Mm. Well, for those that were there, you'll know who I mean. And I know you know who I mean as well, X. Mm. The fella we got given can only be described as a fat Mikel Antonio, right? <laughs> so Mickey 10 years post-retirement, yeah? And from the second we spoke to him, you would have thought we were there for one of his kidneys, I mean, this is pretty much how it went, right? Whilst he was leaning back in his chair, yeah, he's gone, and this is the conversation, right? He's gone, name, I said, uh, Dave Walker. Got ID? Uh, Yeah, yeah, I've got ID. No, 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 no. Don't need it yet. Don't need it yet. And I don't know, I don't know if Josh was his name, by the way, the fella he was talking to, but he then goes, Josh, Josh, you see that last night? City, yeah? Mad thing, you know? <laughs> I'm thinking, what the fuck? And he's gone, got your electronic confirmation. Yeah, yeah, got that. And then eventually, what seemed like a solid fucking 10 minutes, he gave us our tickets. I don't even think he said goodbye from memory. Now, now I know what you're saying, X, right? You can argue that they're trying to run a tight ship. But that clearly isn't the case, is it? Because shortly after that, we find out that up to 50 West Ham fans couldn't get their tickets. And rumour has it, and I must stress, rumour has it, staff were possibly giving tickets or even selling tickets to their mates on the side. To to add the route to the rumour, I think I saw saw the text message that suggested that whilst we were in there. Fucking hell. I mean, that... First, I can't confirm that because I couldn't read it, but from what I can see, it looked like that. But the whole process needs to be looked at, right? Because they need to remember, we're not there for them. They're there for us. So they've got to lose the attitude, help people, don't hinder them, and maybe, just maybe, crack a fucking smile when you're dealing with people. I don't know. I don't know who these people think they are, honestly. But I wanted to talk about this because I wouldn't be the only fan that's pissed off with this process. And certain people, and they know they are, will have a look at themselves. They really do. Mm. I was really angry with that, X. And uh, anyway, with tickets in hand, <laughs> we had some drinks before the game, didn't we? We met up with Joachim, Manchester, Andy, Dan, Rob, and Dave. Uh, Dan, Rob, and Dave then get a taxi to the ground. And it was suggested that the four of us that were left, me, you, Manchester, Andy and Joachim, walked to the stadium because it wasn't far, right? Mm. But the fucking path was through a forest. (laughs) I've never seen anything like it, right? So from our hotel to the stadium, the path was through a forest, right? So I said, uh, stick together. Yeah, I think everyone says that when you're anywhere in Europe, stick together. Um, Safety in some numbers is always preferable. Well, true to fashion, within five minutes, X had fucked off with Manchester <laughs> Andy. I think she walked so fucking slow. That was all right. I'd, I'd maintain a steady pace. You were dwindling at the back. It's probably the best way to describe <laughs> You're like a fucking roadrunner, mate. I don't know where you always have to get to so fucking quickly. What because I know you're going to stop. You're going to stop and talk to everyone on the but way. True, so, there's no uh, one there. Yeah, and we fucking did, which brings me to my next fucking point. Um, there's no one there, right? We're walking through this forest 
like I say, X and Manchester, Andy, are about 200 fucking yards in front of us. This point. You fucking want them in the trenches with you, wouldn't you? So they're 200 yards in front of me and Joachim, right? We could have been equally as attacked. Where were you two flanking us from behind? Yeah, but you're the one that abandoned us. No, like, you abandoned us. How can we have abandoned you and you walked away from us? We're because walking you, with you and you decided if you're, to pull away if you're from run, us. If you're running into battle, like full speed ahead to get the enemy, and then you've got your two people waddling along at the back, they're the ones that abandoned the troop, not the ones... <laughs> is, is that what you were doing then, was it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were there too soon then, because, yeah. <laughs> because in this fucking pathway we're walking down, just me and Joachim left at the back, right? These fucking, it must have been five or six Frankfurt fans came out from the side of the forest. Literally, they had no, they had no reason to be in there whatsoever. They came out from the side of the forest, then joined the pathway, but they were walking the opposite direction to the stadium. And it was obvious, obvious, they were looking for trouble. It was obvious, right? And then you could hear a pin drop because me and Joachim have clocked it straight away. And they're walking towards us. And I'm thinking, fucking hell. Because, you know, like it was in Leon, like it was in Frankfurt, they don't do numbers, do they, these fans? They want to pick fans off one by one and in small numbers. Because for them, that's a sense mm. of achievement. Where the mm. achievement is, fuck knows. But that's that's obviously how they feel. Mm. Uh, and I was thinking, fucking hell. Now, we all know dog shit alley at West Ham. Fucking, this takes it to another level, this. Because not only could you get a good idea, they could fucking bury you there. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> it's a pretty naughty fucking place, really. Yeah. And, um, and they're walking towards us and they're fucking staring at us. And I've looked at a couple of them. And then they said something to us in German. Now, we wasn't wearing colours, me and Joachim, and I, I don't mean this disrespectfully, Joachim, but you, to look at you, you probably could pass as German. So I, th <laughs> I think they were, they were a little bit 50-50, and they said something in German, but we, we just didn't respond. So we actually came through it, but that could have gone the other way. Fucking hell. Mm. Um, so, uh, but, but finally, we get to the stadium. And uh, we're greeted by a carnival atmosphere in the West Ham end. I mean, it was brilliant when it with, yeah, with And I'm just Frank talking about the concourse, by the way. Oh, yeah, but we've, don't forget, despite all of this, like, hostility between the two sets of fans, with Frankfurt fans mingling in and amongst West Ham fans in the concourse and actually sharing <laughs> the same toilet. I mean, yeah. what, what the hell was that all about? Seriously? Oh, all ridiculous. this like, in, like, you know, talk of keeping the fans separate and, you know, and all of that. And then, and then we fucking get there and everyone's in the same fucking place anyway. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, apparently that happened at half time. Someone went to the toilet and they'd opened it up to Frankfurt fans to use the same toilet. And apparently it was kicking off in there as well. Um, mm. But I mean, like I say, in the concourse, the atmosphere was just fantastic. When everyone yeah. was so happy, so happy yeah. to see each other, and everyone singing, laughing, it was it was such a good atmosphere. And then talking of atmosphere, X, when we walked to our seats and saw that stadium and yeah. those fans, yeah. I mean, it's the first time in my life I've ever gone away with West Ham and thought it doesn't matter how many of us sing, doesn't matter how loud we sing, we're just going to get swallowed up. For yeah. 90 minutes. It was just the most incredible atmosphere by then, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, it was amazing. I don't think I've ever experienced anything like that, to be honest with you. Like, when you walk up those stairs, because we were obviously, with all the other West Ham fans, right opposite that sort of main section, uh, behind the other goal, and when they're holding up their banners and their firecrackers, I mean, incidentally, like you've said on Twitter, you're not allowed to vape at games, but they can have, like, <laughs> I know, multiple, I know. multiple firecrackers and stuff, <laughs> and, uh, and flares and so on. Um, but, yeah, that, we've got, taking that not into account, they were, you know, the atmosphere was unbelievable. I've never been in a ground 
where the whole of their fans join in with a chant. You know, when you yeah. go to most matches, you get your sort of singing sections and people will join in, but not as passionately as the main hardcore group. But that group there spread to the whole stadium. And, you know, I'm not going to lie, they did completely drown out West Ham, understandably, because there were so many more of them and they were allowed firecrackers, whereas we weren't even allowed vapes. But it was just... It was just an unbelievable atmosphere and fair play to their fans to be able to create something like that because it was it was unbelievable. It's the best thing like in terms of atmosphere I've ever experienced. Yeah, it was hands down, hands down. And again, it did lead to a discussion as to why can't we go halfway there to mm. doing the same at the London Stadium. And look, I was I was having this conversation with a fella called Rich who I met out in Frankfurt. And look, he made a good point. He said that we wouldn't be able to generate that atmosphere because there's too many tourists sitting around us. To do something anywhere near that, you have to all be there for the same reason and passionately love West Ham as much as each other to have half a chance. I do understand that argument. I do understand it. Mm -hmm. But I just think when you've got fans, and again, I, I go back to saying, I know it's a cultural difference, but when you've got fans that are only purely interested in generating an atmosphere, you know, we've seen it. Seville, we, we managed it in Seville, didn't we? We managed it against Liverpool, Leicester, Tottenham, Man City. It can be done. And seeing that atmosphere like I did, it just made me think we could do more at the London Stadium. You know? Mm -hmm. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I think so, mate. I mean, the problem is we could do more. Uh, we definitely could. But also, the, the, the authorities will have to relax what you can and can't do in a stadium because those yeah. Frankfurt fans clearly had different rules to what we would have. And even if you think about it at the London Stadium, they're all allowed to bring those flags in. You know, I think they even had flares then as well. Like So, yeah. so I think it's not consistent between the rules, between sets of fans. But, yeah, I do think that, as we said on the previous podcast, the atmosphere that we created at home in that semi-final wasn't even close to what they created at their home and you know maybe as a fan group we've got to think of solutions to this and maybe even form groups that can take it forward and approach the club with it or something because it isn't comparable that the atmospheres weren't comparable i mean you go to away days and west ham fans are brilliant you know we were at norwich oh, yeah. yesterday yeah. and the away fans are brilliant and we've been to you know between probably around 10 to 15 away games this season and the atmosphere is great um but it's um yeah the, the atmosphere then was different that was you know intense and like intimidating i guess whereas i don't think we create that at home no no well let's talk about the most painful part of the podcast which is the game itself and subsequently the result which means that we were knocked out of europe how do you feel about what you saw well, I think we was already up against it, weren't we? You know, a goal down going into that atmosphere. Um, so to then lose a defender and a set-piece taker, really, and then concede a goal straight after that, I think it was the inevitable happened, didn't it? I don't think we played particularly well. I mean, second half, we were all right, but it was never going to be any different once we're down to 10 men and two goals behind. And sadly, that, that had its effect because the players were tired anyway because of all the games they've played. So then playing a game of that intensity with a man down, I just think, yeah, unfortunately, the inevitable happened. Yeah, gutted, absolutely gutted. I mean, the, the, the performance for me in both legs was poor. It really yeah. was. I don't yeah. know if we were tired. I don't know if we were overwhelmed by the occasion. I don't know if we lost our bottle. But there was no intensity to our play, no spark, um, no real productivity in the final third. 
and it was just a bit flat, really. And I, I make you right, you know, when you're 1-0 down, uh, sorry, one goal down from the first leg, and then you lose your defender, you're always going to be up against it. But then again, you know, Krez, he's been one of our most consistent performers over the last couple of years. I love him as a bloke. I love him as a player. And whilst I was frustrated, the first thing I'll say is, why is he the last man back? Because it seemed to me like other defenders were out of position to put him in that position in the first place. No one seems to have touched on that. And secondly, no one would be more hurt by what he did and what happened to him than Krez himself. And as, yeah, as per fucking usual, you go on social media and all these plebs that are hammering him and fucking tagging him. And you just think, you're supposed to support this football club. Scum, you, mate. Scum. You, you know you're going to a crucial Premier League game on Sunday, just a few days later. Why do you want to psychologically absolutely batter one of your players before such an important game? And you just you just left fucking gobsmacked by it, didn't you? So no, I know you'll, ag- yeah, you, I do you'll agree. agree with me, didn't you? It's just disgusting, oh, yeah. isn't it? Million, million percent, may I agree with you? I had to actually come off Twitter that after uh, for uh, that, that that evening and that morning because I couldn't read it anymore. And I felt like I was going to bite. And I'm trying to avoid biting now on Twitter because people seem to get some sort of weird sexual satisfaction out of people biting on Twitter. So I tried to avoid going on there, but I found it absolutely... Absolutely disgusting. There's like a guy that served the club so well for so many years. Now, former Hammer of the Year, you know, I just thought it was absolutely terrible. And I know, like, him enough to know he would be absolutely gutted about what what happened, you know. Um, and he was. He was gutted. I mean, he said, shit happens, got to move on from it. But I am gutted that this has happened. No one would have felt more worse than him. He didn't do it on purpose. Yes, he should have dealt with it probably a bit better than he did. But as you said, he was massively exposed by the centre-backs. Why was he in that position? They'd push too far forward. Yes, he probably could have dealt with the situation a bit better. But, he, you know, it was, it was one mistake in a career, you know, I know he got set up against Leon, but that one I think was unlucky, so I'm not even going to include that one. And I think, I mean, I just hate that culture of like having to destroy someone to make yourself feel better. It is like a sort of a modern day thing with social media or whatever that destroying someone else makes you be able to deal with your issues better. It's sad. It is. It's really sad. Really sad. And I commend his professionalism and the way he reacted to it as well. And fair play to the fans that were at Norwich on um, yesterday because we sung his name a couple of times. Admittedly, I think we need to update our chart. Not only only does it sound like we're singing the Zoomer, one and a lot of people around us, because we were near the front, got confused and started singing the Zoomer song, even though it was the Crestwell song. And all that that song goes, he wants to play with Tompkins and Ginger Pele too. Now, as we all know, neither of those play for the club anymore. So I think I think it needs a bit of updating, but it was good to see the fans trying to show their support yesterday. Yeah, 100%. And look, you know, I woke up on the Friday morning and I did a post on Patreon that people would have seen. And it was just putting a bit more of a positive slant on it because you can look at the positive element of what we've achieved this season because with a paper thin squad, we've overachieved really. Um, But I can't help but feel let down because... If we would have lost to a quality informed Barcelona and we genuinely did the best we could do, I'd have absolutely no complaints. But I think we've lost to a bang average side over both legs. I really yeah. do. You know, yes, they are stereotypically German. You know, they're well-structured, well-organised, quite difficult to break down. But they don't really offer any more than that. You've only got to look at how they're getting on in the German league 
with to, to get that proof. And I, I just think it's such a, whilst we've done incredibly well, it's such a wasted opportunity because we could have been playing in a final now against Rangers. And again, you'd have to fancy that. Mm. So it look, it depends which way you look at it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with looking at it both ways. Because how can anyone sit there and say they don't feel slightly let down by the fact that we're not in the final now? Because the performances weren't good enough. And it's it's disappointing that they weren't good enough, given the magnitude of the game itself. So that is disappointing. But, you know, it's been an incredible season. It's given us some incredible memories in Europe. And... Um, and let's hope we can do it all over again next season. And when you look at the game at Norwich, X, uh, we, we've given ourselves a, a fighting chance to do that because that was yeah. a crucial game that we won. But before we get on to that, you know, <laughs> I do also want to talk about post-match. I was wondering if you were going to mention this. <laughs> <laughs> because fuck me. I mean, look, final whistle goes, pitch invasion and I'm sat there thinking we are going to be kept here for fucking hours and hours and hours watching this shit right mm, mm. um thankfully they actually applied some common sense and thought well we ain't going to get Frankfurt fans out of this stadium for hours and hours and hours so let's let West Ham fans go first which I don't think they really do on away days it's somewhere the other way around especially was in Leon. um so we were we were let out and we were the first out and all of us had to walk back through the forest. Now this time there were thousands of us and they didn't fucking leave me behind like you did. So we're all, <laughs> we're all, we're all walking together, but now it's pitch black. So we're walking through this fucking forest. Honestly, it was not something from the Blair Witch Project, fucking pitch black in big numbers with the odd temporary light, if you like, uh, as guidance. But what we didn't realize was there are obviously two pathways out of this forest. One leads to the hotel, which is probably less than a 10 minute walk from the stadium, which is how we got to the stadium. But they'd shut that off. Now, we didn't realise that because it was pitch fucking black. So we just followed the crowd, which took us to Frankfurt train station. And this was the painstaking part of it because we had to walk past our hotel to then get ushered onto a train into the city centre. Right. So when we've arrived at the train station, we realized where we were. You've gone up to the copper and you said, mate, you know, our hotel's over there. We've, we've had to walk past it. We can't go on the train to the city centre. That's taking us another fucking 20 minutes away from where we already are. So the copper then moves me, you, uh, Dave and Rob um, into this little space outside the way. It actually put us near the police van. So we thought, our initial thought was, we're going to get a lift back to the, to the hotel. Well, anyway, five minutes had passed and we hadn't gone anywhere. So I went back to the same copper and I said to him, what, what's going on here, mate? Like, what, what, are we, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to get back to the hotel? And he goes to me, uh, wait uh, five minutes and then you can go back through the woods. Thomas C. Checking me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, just in a tone of voice, really. Yeah. I said, I said, I said, Thomas. <laughs> yeah. I know, but, but honestly, my reaction was, hey, I said, you're having a fucking laugh, aren't you? I said, you want to send us back into those woods? They'll fucking bury us out there. Mm. 
And he looked at me with a bit of a puzzled look. And at this point, Dave, who was absolutely off his fucking tits, he's like, ah, fuck it, you know, come on, let's go and do them and all that. <laughs> and listen, I'm not a shrinking violet, right? But I'm not Maximus Decimus Meridius. I'm not going to go and have a go at 10,000 of the guns. <laughs> it literally we're... would have been that 4v10,000. No matter how many good right hooks you swung, <laughs> I don't fancy our chances. Yeah, the odds weren't in our favour, were they? Let's be no. um, so then... So honestly, and then we we just given up, haven't we? So then we had to get yeah. the fucking train back to Frankfurt, which was an absolute nightmare. And then when we got to boiling Frankfurt, hot. Fucking oh, boiling fuck, hot. You know. I was pushed face to face with Declan Rice's brother of all people, <laughs> of all people. Yeah, but so, <laughs> tell everyone what happened when you dropped your bracelet. Oh fucking hell! So I got this like <laughs> got this like thing I wear on my wrist, and it's got like my kids' um, initials on it, and it's got like my wife's initials and stuff, and they both the family bought it for me, so it's quite sentimental, and it's the the little clip bit that sort of keeps it on your wrist sort of getting loose now so occasionally if someone brushes against me it'll fall off so it fell literally as I got on the train it fell off so I couldn't leave it there because it's too sentimental so I bend down to pick it up and as I'm doing that obviously Declan's brother's quite tall like Declan so as I'm bending over to and I'm not as I'm bending over to pick it up it looks like I'm doing something rather inappropriate it looks like you're sucking him off yeah. basically yeah I was trying to be a bit more polite because kids are listening <laughs> But, but yeah, if you want to be blunt, then yeah. And so, and so, so I bet I bet over to it. Everyone's like, "Ray!" And by this point, Dave Hunt had told the whole carriage that I, that I was ex in inverted commas because he was so drunk and he started to chant <laughs> something like, "He's ex WH employee." Shitty rumors makes it all up or something like that. So, the, so I already had the whole carriage doing that. And then I, I'm bending over to pick that out. And everyone's like, "Ray, what's he doing to Declan's brother?" And I'm fucking had to put up with that. For like in five, ten minutes of the journey. Uh, I, mean, I, just, I mean, I just turned around and said, I'll do anything to keep Declan at the club or something like that. And I had to just try and banter, try and banter it off that way. And uh, yeah, and then it was fucking boiling hot. I had my coat on because, um, yeah, after Seville, I had to borrow yours. I decided to bring one. I couldn't take it off because we're all pushed together like sardines. So I'm yeah. sweating my fucking bollocks off on that fucking train, getting abused by everyone as well. And uh, yeah, I couldn't wait for it to fucking end. <laughs> I know, mate. Honestly, and in my carriage as well, because it was a, it was a bit of a result. Because at this point, I was with Rob, you was with Dave, and as usual, you'd fucked off and got the train early before me. So I was no, you again, you, you were trailing behind, trailing behind. Well, as man. usual, the common himself. No, I yeah, got. I, it's a fucking no, common theme. No, I called down the carriage and was going, Dave, Dave, come into this. Goes, Dave, 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 and he's just yeah. wandering off into the oblivion well, again. To be to be fair, it weren't, I couldn't see any room. I mean, you said no. you were like sardines when you. Got I was. Them. Fuck me, I'm I'm nearly eighteen stone, six foot four. So getting me on there <laughs> was always going to be a bit of a fucking challenge. So. Anyway, Rob squeezed onto this one carriage, and and uh, do you know what? Naively, looking back, I don't know why I said this or thought this, but I said, uh, Rob, listen, don't worry about it, mate. I said, um, I said, I'll, I'll get the next train. Don't worry. But the naivety in me didn't think, well, the next train's going to be absolutely jam-packed with Frankfurt fans. <laughs> this is the only train that's taking West Ham fans. <laughs> so I was putting myself as a bit of a lamp and a slaughter then, but then thankfully, um, really nice fella that was sitting in, uh, standing in front of Rob, uh, he, he recognised me and uh, he said, no, 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 you're coming on. And he pulled me on the train, which was good. And then quite a few people, including a couple of patrons, were on the carry. So I ended up talking to them. I think I threw a Suchek impression uh, in for good measure as well. So it was really good, <laughs> lighthearted banter and that. 
Um, and then I was standing next to this German fellow. This was the most confusing thing about the whole journey. He was clearly German. He was absolutely off his tits. And he just had Clara all over his face. I mean, someone had given him a, a right hand. They busted his nose completely open, but he didn't give a fuck. He's singing like in a German accent. We've got so, super David Moyes. And he was loving life. So that was a bit confusing. And he was West Ham. He even had I'm Forever Blowing Bubbles tattooed on his arm. But he was German that lived in Frankfurt. So that was a little bit of a head fuck at that point. But the whole night just didn't get any less bizarre, did it? Because when we finally got to Frankfurt City, which was painful because we'd actually gone further away than where we were. We was on a doorstep of the hotel. Now we're in the middle of fucking Frankfurt City. And there are droves of Frankfurt coming out as well, which was a recipe for disaster because West Ham fans had the ump and I, I just thought it was going to kick off. Well, it's we're... such ridiculous policing, isn't it? I don't know. It's just, oh, it's it's madness. just training madness. in so that the city just dumped them there. You know, dumped them yeah. where all the fans are. You yeah. know, it's just well, look, well, look at the advice that the fucking copper gave us. Go back yeah, into the woods. That's fucking... He's having a laugh. Um, and then, like I say, when we got to Frankfurt, there's loads of taxis. That wasn't a problem. As soon as we got there, we thought, oh, okay, there's loads of taxis. At least we can jump back in the cab and go back to where we just fucking were. Every taxi we stopped, and I saw loads of other West Ham fans with the same problem. Mm. They'd wind the window down as soon as they heard an English accent, they refused to take you. Cunt, because yeah. I don't know why why they did that. Do you know what I mean? No, it, it's I just, just it, it, and it sums the city up as well. Like mm. all the people in it are shit. And I know I'm generalizing now. And if you if you live in <laughs> all Frankfurt, the people, that's brilliant. Yeah, I all know. five million of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, certainly every single person that I met in Frankfurt that was German from Frankfurt was a prick, really. Let's be honest. Would you disagree with that? <laughs> no. Well, I mean, maybe the little darling waitress we had on the first no, that's night. The, that's the only but I was going to say, that's the one that came into my mind as well, but I didn't want to sound like a parent, but yeah, uh, and she was nice. <laughs> yeah, no, all right. I'll let her off. So I don't want to tire everyone with the same brush. Let's just say the majority of people from Frankfurt are fucking wrong-uns, right? Whether you're, a, whether you're a junkie, whether you're a dealer, or whether you're just somebody that generally has the ump that won't take an Englishman home because you're German, right? <laughs> so let's, let's just say that. So we're walking around aimlessly. We've looked at about seven different taxis now. They're all saying the same thing. And I, I don't know if you want to give your light on the taxi that we eventually found and your own personal experience of that. Yeah, I mean, geez. So obviously, I, I, I try to make sure that we go back to the hotel by now because we're getting further and further away from where we actually <laughs> need to be. So you're in the front and I'm in the back, and I'm trying to make the taxi driver listen to me and say, Are you going to the right hotel? And he's just not fucking listening to me. I'm tapping him on the shoulder. I'm going, Mate, 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 where are you going? And he's like, Oh, and not even listening to me. So like that started off my frustration and then for some reason he almost seemed determined to antagonize us like he just like, kept playing really loud um asian music to start with which we eventually got him to turn down and take off i need to be switched over for kylie minogue i think it was and it was just like <laughs> it was. It was just a, she's a much better i mean i would rather have the asian music on to be honest with you and it was just um it was just like horrendously loud like that was the thing i mean you know asian music can be beautiful 
can't even know Pat's not so her music anyway, but Asian music's really relaxing to listen to if it's at the right volume. But buddy, the volume that this music was on, geez, blowing our ears out. Then he decides to drive like an absolute nutter. It was almost like oh. the volume of the music got the adrenaline going and encouraged him to drive even more psychotic. And I just don't understand what it is. Do you and I walk around with a sign on us saying, <laughs> but it, uh, only crazy taxi drivers apply or something? <laughs> <laughs> we, seem, we seem to bloody get them every single place we go to and um, and even when we get them in England <laughs> you know our, yeah. our trusted driver is just as bad so uh, yeah. yeah it's just absolutely horrendous journey and I, I was literally in the back shutting my eyes at times thinking this is a bad dream I'm going to wake up we're going to play Frankfurt tomorrow we're going to win yeah. so this is not yeah. happening to me type thing yeah. well at least you were in the back fuck mate you wanted to be in the front mate honestly yeah. it, was like, it was like the Big Dipper it was it was horrendous and uh i see it a bit differently to you actually i I don't think he was trying to antagonize us i think he was just irritatingly fun in 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 his in his own mind i think we kept begging him to stop and he did it even more than when we told him to stop yeah, well, uh, yeah, but I think he, he saw that as jovial. Because to be fair, oh, fuck that. Yeah, no, but, but to be fair, whilst it was a bit like fucking hell, we were all laughing about it. So I think if we would have said, "Mate, enough's enough," and we turned it off, he wouldn't have been turning it back on. So I do I'm think see things sure. a, a little sure. bit differently. I, I, yeah, I think you're being a bit harsh on him. No, he was, no. he was, he was fucking mad. There's no dispute in that. Um, but do you know what I find strange as well. And I don't know if they're unlicensed or whether they're even fucking cabbies. I don't know. But we got into this car. It just seemed like every single taxi we got in and we told them where we wanted to go, which was never, ever longer than, say, 10 to 15 minutes journey. They would all clarify where you wanted to go by saying Frankfurt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, no, mate. Leonardo Hotel in Malaga, please. <laughs> was even when we when we we did inquire originally when we first got there before we realised what shit how it was about doing the famous city bus tour, open top city bus tour, and I spoke to a. It was a taxi driver, wasn't it? And I said to him, you know, mate, do you know where, if you've got the city bus tour here? And he went, where, at Frankfurt? Yeah. I went, <laughs> I went uh, yeah, where, where else? When I want, when I want one, you know, I'm not going to ask someone in New York, am I, mate? Like, you know, and, uh, and, he's, and he was just like, and he was like, oh, the bus over there. But then then there was no bus. And I think by this point, we thought it was a shithole anyway. So yeah, we didn't bother. Yeah. No, we didn't. We didn't. You're quite right. But yeah, it was the strangest experience in that cab because well, firstly, it was strange that he took us because no one else would. And then he tried to convince us that the hotel we wanted to go to was literally a 30 second walk, didn't he? Do you remember that? Yes, and it wasn't. Yes. He had the wrong hotel. So we had to basically do his job for him and tell him where we wanted well, yeah, to go. Yeah, he wouldn't listen. I forgot about that part. Yeah. yeah. He yeah. wouldn't listen to me, would he? I kept saying, mate, no. it's not. He was like, it's around the corner. I was like, mate, pr- trust me, it's not around the corner. Yeah, it's around the corner. I was like, mate, I've been. <laughs> to the hotel for two days now i know it's not in the city center just listen to me and by that point i was just getting really really well up. i mean it takes a lot for me to actually want to smack someone but i was getting very <laughs> close to wanting to just swing a right hook yeah. Yeah, front, just yeah. and there was nothing of him either i mean no, exactly. taking his head clean off but yeah, and then right. but then he blasts this music up and then he puts kylie minogue on and then he flies around the corners and funnily enough, and I will upload this to Patreon. I will upload it so you get the visual benefit of what we're talking about here. But it was so surreal that I actually secretly filmed quite a few minutes of it because right? <laughs> I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna show this to Patreons, right? Now, whenever you film a cab journey, I've noticed 
the speed you're actually going at is never justified when it's on camera. So yeah. I've looked at it and I thought, well, it doesn't look like we're going that fast. We fucking were. And when we were bombing it with this fucking <laughs> music at full blast, he's bombing it down these, these motorways. He's not using his full beam. There's no oh, car. Yeah, I forgot about that as well. Yeah. So if you're in the front, right, you're not fucking seeing where you're getting to until you're there. You're literally seeing a couple of feet in front of the car, and that's it. I, I've never shit myself so much of my fucking life, honestly. Well, apart from Code Red. But... Apart from Code Red. Well, you nearly <laughs> saw another one in Frankfurt. Um, that'd have fucking shut him up, wouldn't it? And, <laughs> yeah. and then and then at one point, he just completely switched when he saw the old Bill, and this was this was a bit of a yeah, red flag for yeah, me. Yeah. Because he, he's he suddenly like stopped being this joker, um, and he's turned the music right down so none of us can hear it, put a mask on, and then slowly crept past the police. And I mean, I, I say it in the video, I said, I'm sure he's got fucking 20 kilos of coke in the boot that we don't yeah. know about. Because yeah. his well, behaviour was strange. Well, he's probably on 20 kilos of coke. Yeah, yeah, that, that would make more sense, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that does apply some logic to our experience. But, um, yeah. but no, and then eventually, to our relief, we finally got back to our hotel. But uh, I will upload that video so you can all see it. <laughs> I'll, I'll sort of try and edit snippets of the best bits, if you like, from the footage that I did take. But look, brilliant experience devastated that it's come to an end, but let's hope we can do it again next season. And like I said to you, Rex, that win against Norwich has taken us a step closer, hasn't it? What did you think of the game at Carrow Road? Well, it was a, it was a really important for us to have a performance like that. Or Massive. A result like that, really important, because especially if they've got the Players' Awards today, imagine if we'd lost against Norwich and then just lost to Frankfurt a few days before. Imagine going to those Players' Awards tonight. That'd be a fucking a damp squid, wouldn't it? Yeah. But the, thankfully, we got the exact result that we needed. After that, a big a big win. Uh, obviously, Manchester United and Wolves' results, whilst, you know, Wolves obviously got a draw at Chelsea, which isn't a bad result. They didn't win, which is what we needed. Um, and so it's, I actually think sixth is well within our reach now because I don't I think Palace with Vieira as manager you know Man United the old foes will, will want his team to beat them and Palace are good at home and Man United are terrible at the moment you know 4-0 defeat at Brighton half their team have already said their goodbyes to the fans so I think Palace will win that if we can just get three points from the two games remaining and I do think with it being Noble's last game against you know, last home game against Man City and obviously last away against Brighton, there's that sentimental lift as well. I mean, it wasn't a, you know, it was, you can't, it seems really weird to say this. I wouldn't say it was our best performance of the season. Even though we won four nil, Norwich were just that bad. I honestly don't <laughs> think I've ever, and I like Norwich. You know, I lived there for four years. I used to do a bit of work for Norwich back in the day. So Norwich, I wouldn't say I support them, but certainly got a soft spot for them. And I always want Norwich to do well and stay in the Premier League, even though they never fucking do. But I do want them to. Um, but they were just terrible. I honestly don't think I've ever seen a team play that badly at home. And what summed it all up was two things. Firstly, all the the chance that their fans ever sung and I always think Norwich fans are quite decent but the only chance that Norwich fans sung were like taking the piss out the fact they had the ball they had a shot or they were shit and stuff so taking the piss out themselves and the, and the other thing towards the end 
you know, this, it, like when it was the game was done and dusted. Yes, the game was over, and yes, they've been relegated and stuff. But have some fucking self pride. West Ham were just passing the ball along the back line, back and forth, back and forth. And the Norwich players weren't even running. I thought it was an absolute disgraceful performance from them. And if I was a Norwich fan, I'd be absolutely fuming today with how they how that team played yesterday. But that said, it benefited us. 4-0 win is massive for us at this point in the season. Great timing of it. You know, good to see Ben Rama get two goals. Bowen got, you know, three assists, was it? Played really well. Every player, you know, could come out of that game with a confidence boost. Um, so, um... Maybe Fabianski, possibly not, because he had nothing to do. And the one thing he did, he dropped. But we're not going to single him out because it was still a clean sheet. It was, um, yeah, it was a, a good a good performance and a needed result. Yeah, it's a really good summary, mate. I'm not too sure I can add too much to that. I mean, it, I just spent most of the game laughing. Because, yeah. I mean, all the chants from West Ham fans was so funny. I mean, it was the same old West Ham taking the piss, wasn't it? And yeah. we had a field day with Norwich. And um, when I think about, you know, do I feel sorry for him? No, not really. Not really. I've been there so many times myself as a fan, which makes you think I probably should do. But, you know, as a football club, and I said this to you as well, there's no ambition when they come up. You know, they, they go for the euphoria of, of getting promoted from the championship and then they don't spend and then they just, it just seems like they're relegated before they kick the ball. And I just think, fucking let someone else have a go now. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. it was it was so funny to watch because, like the, like I say, the chants were hilarious. And you're quite right, credit to them. Like when we were saying, you're fucking shit. They followed that up with, we're fucking shit. Yeah. Um, and they, they took it pretty well. But what was funny, their performance was so atrocious, right? If I would have been the DJ in the stadium, if there was a glimmer of hope that Norwich were going to score in that game, which at that point fucking was zero, I wouldn't have played the celebration song if they'd have scored because <laughs> I, I think Norwich fans just would have disappeared inside their coats, right? But obviously what happened, two shocking things. One, they scored, which I don't think anyone can fucking believe because they were that bad. Two, he played the fucking song, didn't he? Yeah. So they're 3-0 they're down at this point, I think, playing awfully they've just been relegated their fans have had the piss taken out of them from the second they've kicked the ball and then all of a sudden you're in a and then it gets fucking chalked off the AR. oh it was so funny it's just like oh mate it must have been one of the worst days of their life those not oh, was dreadful was it I mean honestly I'd have, like I said earlier I'd have been so pissed off it was just such a humiliating performance from them <laughs> It really, really was. Look at their first two goals. I mean, the keeper's fucking spilled it underneath <laughs> his body when he's like a, a piss easy shot. He could have kicked that away. Like, rather than yeah, yeah. And then the second goal, I mean, what the fuck even happened? I mean, we've seen the replay, but like, Antonio was, shouldn't have been able to get that ball. The defender and the keeper take each other out. He's got an open goal. Then a fucking penalty when that guy pushes Dawson off the bloody pitch. And then I touched his hand as well, didn't it? A handball. Then a goal disallowed for handball. And it's just like, it literally couldn't have been a worse performance, I don't think. No, and that's the thing. You don't ever want to take anything away from West Ham when they win away from home full stop. But when they win 4-0, you, you, you can't take any credit away from them. But you are quite right. Fucking Norwich made it easy for him. Um, Have you heard two quite interesting stats from that game? The first one is West Ham the first team to win by more than four goals in two consecutive games at, um, at Norwich. And I don't know if that includes Norwich themselves, but uh, certainly, <laughs> certainly, certainly in terms of away teams. And this is the best one um, since something like 
the, the game when Antonio scored four goals since that game, the only player to have scored more goals at Carrow Road than Antonio is Pete is uh what's his name? Pookie. Oh really? Yeah. because so, <laughs> obviously Antonio scored four in that game and then one um yesterday, which takes his total to five, and only Pookie's got more goals than him at Carrow Road since that since that day. <laughs> <laughs> so Antonio's only played two games there and he's their set the second top scorer at that stadium. <laughs> oh mate, that's so funny, that is. That's so funny. But yeah, it's a brilliant away day that really enjoyed it and uh Thanks to the absolute shit show that is Man United these days, we do genuinely have a chance of nicking sixth place. I mean, 100%. whether it'll happen, I don't know. I, I, Man City still have something to play for. If they didn't, I think you'd have half a chance. I don't want to be the pessimist here, but I think that's going some to get three points against them. Brighton's not going to be an easy game, is it? Potter's play, got them playing well. And the one thing that they've struggled with since he's come in is scoring goals. But he seems to have put that right now. And they're looking to finish in their all-time Premier League high. So they've got something to play for. So this is, it's two hard games we've got coming up now. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. Listen, I'd take seventh all day long. Mm. To get in the Conference League, to go back on the European Tour, I'm dreaming of it already. If we can pull off sixth place, that then constitutes a phenomenal season for West Ham. Oh, it? yeah, definitely. A semi-final of a European um, game, you know, quarter-finals of the League Cup and um, and a sixth-place finish and getting Europe again, you know, is, is, a, is a great season. I mean, let's be honest, getting into the top four in the league is, is pretty much impossible for West Ham. I mean, I know we've got close a couple of times now, but really it's the squad and the and the, the lack of depth of the squad. You know, on, on our day, we can beat Manchester City, Liverpool, Chelsea, whoever, but it's that over the, the full 38 games of a season where the problem is. And the difference is, it's just the amount of money that these clubs have to invest in players. You know, and the thing is, you throw in Newcastle now for next season, that top four is really, really hard to get. So really, realistically, we are competing at the best of the next group of clubs, so to speak. So to finish, if we can, get sixth above Manchester United as well, obviously, which are one of the big clubs, um, finish mm. sixth and um, and get that Europa League spot. Oh, it'll be a, it'll be a, it'll be a good season, a really a really great season. You know, obviously, we haven't ended up with any trophies, which ultimately is what you're judged on. But if we getting Europe um, two seasons in a row, when we haven't been in it for so, for so long, it is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Well, Sunday sees Mark Noble's last ever home game in a West Ham shirt. That's going to be an emotional day, isn't it, for him and us? How do you feel about this end of an era? I don't like it. I'm very, no. I'm a very sentimental fella. Um, I, I am an emotional fella, I guess, and I don't like the fact that that is happening. I mean, obviously, it never to be everything has to come to an end at some point. But I still believe he's got another year in him. It's not going to happen, but I still do. And um, and I think it's just going to be so weird, mate. I was, I was thinking about. It. I think he made his debut in 2003. I was 21 then. You know, like I was a, I was a young man. You know, and things like. Things just, um, I wasn't married, I didn't have kids, you know, I don't know if I had a house, you know, I don't even think I knew what job I was doing at that point. So, for him to actually, um, 
you know, have been around all that time. And and just to be such a significant part of that time as well. Like, you know, he's played for every single manager that's ever been appointed in that time. You know, until recently, where obviously age is a factor. He was the captain, um, you know, before other captains had left, but he was the captain for large periods. He was a starter um, in so many games. He's a penalty taker. But not only that, it's what he does off the pitch that is what you can't put a value on. You know, you could you could grade him as a as a good player for West Ham. You know, he's not the greatest player to play for West Ham, but certainly not the worst. A good player for West Ham, but it's the impact he has off the pitch that makes him a makes him a legend at the club in my eyes. Mm, absolutely, and that's how he'll always be remembered as a legend. And uh, mm. it's going to be. Um... It's going to be tough on Sunday. I don't think there's going to be many dry eyes in that stadium because I'm assuming at some point, probably after the game, he'll come out and talk to the fans as well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've done a bit of this in my section about what's going to happen. So, yeah, but it is going to be a real carnival day. I mean, I don't want it to take over too much, as harsh as that sounds on Noble, because we've obviously got a lot to play for. I hope that they can sort of use it as an incentive to play really well because we want to win that game for Mark, but not let that be a distraction from the task in hand. Let the stuff happen after the game, you know, and at half time, maybe a bit before, but let's not get just completely distracted by it. But let's then let that, the game, give it our best shot. And whatever happens, let's make that day uh, memorable for him afterwards. Well, I mean, can you imagine if we won the game? I mean, huge. I don't think many people are expecting us to, but imagine if Mark comes out in front of everyone after just beating Man City. That'd be amazing, mate. Amazing. It's just like the. It's like, but then you look at you look at West Ham over the years, and we do have a like a sort of a way of doing it. You know, last game at Upton Park, look how that went. You know, coming from you know to, to win in the last what to win in the last few minutes. Um, you know, um, and that you know that significance. You know, when um when we have significant games. We tend to tend to rise to the occasion, not necessarily cup finals, but games that have that little, you know, that little story underneath them. You know, like winning at Old Trafford with Carlos Tevez when there was all the crap about him, um, and you know the points deductions and stuff. It's those little stories I'm talking about, and this has the potential to be one of those little stories. Mm, it does. Right. Okay. Let's see what X has to say this week. To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the West Ham Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham Way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham Way podcast Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise, and behind-the-scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. Conoce a Harper, del equipo Truest. Hola. Ella siempre te ha cuidado, como la vez que el carro chocón de su amiguito recibió un trancazo. Oh, no. Su retenedor salió volando, pero Harper lo atajó a tiempo. Hoy Harper es miembro del equipo Truest, con Truest One Checking. Sin cargos por sobregiros, 100 dólares de protección contra balances negativos y mejoras automáticas, Truest One Checking cuida de ti. Aplican requisitos de elegibilidad para los 100 dólares de protección contra balances negativos. Truest Bank, miembro FDIC.
Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a stuntman to do their home renovations. Just finished the new sunroom, Mrs. C. The best part is I used candy glass for all the windows, so you can do this. And this. Doesn't hurt a bit either. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. And if you don't want to take the long way to the kitchen, the walls are breakaway too. See? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.